welcome back to another episode of Guidepost in Motion, a podcast highlighting risk, compliance, and security professionals with insights meant to keep you, your business, and operations moving forward. My name is Ken Mendelson, and I am a Senior Managing Director at Guidepost Solutions. Joining me again today is Joe DeMarco, a partner at DeVore and DeMarco LLP. Joe has years of experience counseling clients on issues involving information privacy and security, theft of intellectual property, computer intrusions, online fraud, and the use of the lawful use of new technology. And today he is here to continue our discussion about managing risk in the face of ransomware. Joe, thanks so much for joining us again today. Thanks, Ken, for having me back. And it's great to be presenting again with my friends from Guidepost. Well, the, during our last podcast, we talked about uh, ransomware generally and uh, some of the trends that, that we're, we're both seeing in terms of the, the increase in the uh, number of ransomware attacks, the uh, dramatic increase in the amount of ransomware uh, demands, the, uh, the amount of money that's being demanded by the extortionists. And uh, some of the things, and we covered some of the things that uh, companies need to do, but uh, I, we're going to continue that discussion today uh, and address some additional topics because there are just so many other critical areas that companies need to consider when they fall victim to ransomware, such as potential sanctions violations. Uh, can you touch upon that? And what do companies need to consider? Sure, Ken. So as if the questions were not already complicated enough, you know, how did this happen to me? Uh, why aren't my backups sufficiently robust so that I don't have to even consider paying the ransom? You know, who am I going to find to help me navigate the legal issues and the, and the technological issues? For many companies, uh, increasingly, there's also the concern about regulatory enforcement action. Uh, now, obviously, this is you know, going to be front of mind for listeners that are in highly regulated industries, such as finance, insurance, healthcare, defense, et cetera. But bear in mind that really every company that does business in the United States is also regulated by either a state attorney general, um, which regulates fair and deceptive practices as they relate to dealing with consumers, and data security is one of those fair principles, but also the Federal Trade Commission, which regulates any business that does business across state lines, which, let's face it, are many of the businesses in this country. Uh, but increasingly, we're seeing regulators uh, at the federal and the state level pay attention to this issue and pay attention to the problem, as, as one might expect anytime there's a growing, uh, a growing problem in the, in the cyber world. Um, and two things really kind of have popped up in the last six months on this score that are worth paying attention to, which because I think they're going to be a wave of, of the future. Um, the first uh, is, uh, is a, a statement, and a, a notice and a, a ruling by the New York State Department of Financial Services, which regulates any insurance company licensed to do business in New York and any bank uh, licensed to do business in New York uh, and indirectly relates governs service providers to those regulated entities, a notice in a circular that they published recently, which warned uh, entities against the desirability of paying ransom. Uh, you know, they basically came out and said, look, paying ransom just feeds the system. It just feeds the monster in terms of generating more motives for more attacks 
and more sophisticated motives for more sophisticated attacks. And, you know, pointing out that that bad guys will not typically take the proceeds of ransom and donate it to charity, but will instead, you know, invest those funds in further ransomware attacks against others or in honing their skills and paying for even better services to perpetrate even more sophisticated attacks. So, you know, if you are an entity regulated by, for example, the New York State Department of Financial Services, you know, that is something that you, you undoubtedly have already paid attention to. Now, if you're not, I still think you need to pay attention to that because it is a bellwether regulator. And it would not surprise me at all for other regulators in other states that regulate other businesses in other states of any form, whether those businesses are regulated by the state insurance department or by the state health department, the state educational department, the state corporations department, to publish similar notices and warnings. Now, again, we've yet to see an enforcement action brought by the DFS against an entity for paying ransom in a situation where they arguably shouldn't have, but that is something to pay attention to. At the federal sure. level, too. Sure, go ahead, Ken. No, I was just about to ask, you know, what about at the federal level? <laughs> right. At the federal level, uh, back in October, uh, we saw a notice published by OFAC, which is the entity within the Treasury Department that regulates trading with the enemies and uh, foreign corruption and the dealing of, uh, of issues with uh, entities that are on the sanctions list telling companies that if they are to pay or were to pay um, any kind of ransom to an entity that was on the sanctions list, they could be subject to enforcement. As some of your listeners might know, uh, OFAC regulations have both criminal and civil sanctions. The civil sanctions have a very low standard of, uh, of proof Essentially, they impose strict liability for entities that pay money to sanctioned players. And because entities that are on the sanctions list have perpetrated ransomware attacks, there are those entities on the list. So if you're subject to a crippling ransomware attack, one of the things you need to do, even if you're not a, uh, a regulated entity under the New York State Department of Financial Services, is figure out whether or not you might be violating the OFAC rules by paying ransom to a wrongdoer on the sanctions list. It gets very tricky very quickly. Yeah, it's really quite the, the Hobson's choice when your you know, entire network is completely locked up and uh, you have no way to get out from under it other than paying the ransom. Um, you, know, you, you, you find that paying the ransom is sometimes necessary. And you know, based on the right. guidance that uh, OFAC published last fall, I've been advising clients that want to avoid that want to avoid these issues with regulators to you know do a few things that are you know based on this this OFAC guidance. As first is you know if possible have a comprehensive compliance program in place before you uh, you know have been hit by ransomware. And uh, when when you are hit, you know perform as thorough an investigation as possible to ascertain whether a sanctions nexus exists with the uh, the entity demanding the ransom. And you know, if you can't do that yourself, bring in experts to do this if necessary. And you know, above all, you know, document, document, document. Um, OFAC is looking for a demonstration that the compliance obligation was taken seriously. And you know, nothing does that better than having a complete record of all efforts taken to, you know, make the determination. 
Um, OFAC also expects that you will initiate contact with and cooperate with law enforcement, both uh, you know, during and after the incident. And uh, finally, if it's, if it's later determined that the, the payment was made to somebody with a sanctions nexus, um, you know, certainly make a voluntary self-disclosure to OFAC uh, rather than having them come after you. Ken, you're 100% right. Uh, look, a ransomware attack can be a devastating event for a company. And the last thing you want, trust me, the last thing you want is an OFAC enforcement following along after you've uh, paid the ransom. Uh, and now you have to deal with, uh, with regulators who will you know, potentially come at you uh, with hammer and tongs. You have to keep in mind, uh, the bottom line is, you have to keep in mind that the actual cost of a ransomware really does go beyond just the payout. Uh, there's dealing with regulators, there's data loss, there's major downtime, there's reputational risk. There could be breach notification obligations that you have to customers or uh, counterparties that are contractual in nature. Even if the ransom event never becomes public, you may have contractual obligations to, uh, to let other business counterparties know that you had this incident, even, even if it did not affect their data, even if it just affected the systems on which their data uh, was stored and kind of just one free piece of advice I give to every client when I ever have the opportunity uh, to speak with them about this is to tell them to, you know, ha is have someone go through all of your major contracts with your business counterparties and see if there are any uh, data breach reporting or data incident reporting clauses in those contracts. Because I guarantee you the the first time that you want to be doing that review is not when you're in the middle of a ransomware event, right? You want to know that uh, beforehand, and obviously you want to avoid those contractual provisions wherever you can. Um, the bottom line is these events are extremely costly, uh, and you, but you can. I will, you know, to kind of you know leave people with with some positive advice. Um, there are some things you can do ahead of time to reduce the pain and suffering when the event occurs. Sure. Well, yeah, it's it's certainly apparent that ransomware isn't going away anytime soon and that companies need to minimize the risk of a ransomware attack even before they've experienced one. Uh, sometimes a company's best defense are their own employees because um, you know, one of the principal vectors of attack is uh, you know, people clicking on objects in emails that they receive, and that's how the, uh, the, the extortionists gain the foothold in the network. Absolutely. Uh, you know, train, train, train. Uh, your employees are a vulnerability, but they're also your first line of defense. And, you know, I've had the privilege of doing uh, cybersecurity training exercises with Guidepost. And I will tell you that every time we've done them, we've gotten incredibly positive feedback from management and from the employees. They're grateful to us because they understand that the protections and the advice that we've given them will serve them not only in their business operations, but frankly, also in their personal life as well. Uh, so train, train, train for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's really where the best money is spent is is on training because uh, that's where you get the biggest bang for your buck. Um, so what are some other steps that companies should take? Sure. I also advise companies to have someone do an independent third party cyber risk assessment or a cyber maturity or a cyber resilience assessment where you have an outside third party come in, ideally under council privilege, experts in systems, security, uh, and data privacy to look at how it is that you conduct your business operations in terms of safeguarding information and safeguarding systems, and really how your incident response plans measure up to code. 
those I've also been involved with with Guidepost. And again, we've gotten uniformly great positive feedback from uh, companies that have gone through that exercise. Oftentimes, you know, you may have great IT people. Sometimes they're good IT security people, not always, but even in cases where you have a great IT security staff, by definition, your IT security staff is only servicing one client. So they may not have complete insight into what peer companies or, or leaders in the field are doing. By using expert third-party consultants and technologists, you can essentially leverage the best advice that's out there to your benefit. Uh, and these analyses and assessments can be done in very scalable fashion. Uh, it can be you know, both uh, uh, a small and light, a medium or a more robust assessment, depending on what you feel you want. Right. And I, Joe, I, I completely agree. It's always good to have a third party cyber expert look at your systems and conduct a gap analysis. That's just, you know, a best practice, certainly. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, be prepared, uh, understand that there are experts and resources that are out there, even if you're not a big company. I've worked, as folks at Guidepost have, for small hedge funds, for small individual family offices, even for small manufacturing companies. Um, the advice we give is scalable, it's actionable, it's practical. And I will tell you, you know, in my 22 years of doing this, um, I've found that the odds of a really bad event happening drop dramatically if you do take some simple steps. Right. Well, Joe, thanks so much uh, for being with us today and for this useful advice. You are truly one of the leaders in this field um, and anybody uh, lucky enough to uh, get to work with you is going to, in all likelihood, have a much, much better outcome than if they didn't. Um, so thanks again for joining our podcast today. And thanks to our listening audience for tuning in. For more information on enhancing your company's cybersecurity, or if you need help navigating the compliance issues associated with ransomware, please visit our website at guidepostsolutions.com. Mm-hmm.